Well, today we're beginning a new message series which I've entitled Life Principles. You know, living on this planet Earth, uh, principles that God's Word gives to us to guide our lives in our relationships. And these principles show us the way to live our lives the way that God created us to live. Uh, God is our creator and uh, he has a pattern, a plan for our lives. Now, God's life purposes have, have two purposes. First of all, they direct us in the right way to live our lives. First verse we want to look at is Proverbs 3.56. And there's a white page in the middle of your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take that out. You can see the verses written out there as well as the outline that we're going to get to in a few minutes. You can take some notes there. On the back is some questions uh, that are used in our life groups and the discussion uh, discussion section, and you can also do those on your own to dig in a little deeper. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And so as we learn to trust in the Lord in every aspect of our lives, as we learn to rely on His wisdom, not trying to figure everything out with our own minds, that God's promise to us is that he's going to guide us along the righteous path of life. That's the right path that he has planned for us. So secondly, God's principles direct and warn us away from the wrong ways to live our lives. Proverbs 2.6 says, The Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so God longs to give us wisdom. In fact, in the book of James, he says, if you ask for wisdom and you believe I'm going to give it to you, I will give it to you. He's not holding it back. He's not hiding his guidance from us. He gives us wisdom and guidance. Uh, in verse 12, chapter 2 of Proverbs goes on to say, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And so there are two ways in life. There's a righteous path and there are paths of darkness, paths of evil, ways of evil. And God warns us about those, to stay off of those ways because they will lead to ruin in our lives. Now, in order to walk according to God's life principles, we need, first of all, to know them. Secondly, we need to remember them when we're in the midst of having to make decisions. And thirdly, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to follow them. So in this series, we're going to be looking at the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, these letters were written by the Apostle John. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation, and he wrote these three, these three letters. John often referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. John was the one whom Jesus entrusted his mother Mary to when he was dying on the cross. And so really, of all the disciples, of all the people that Jesus knew, John seemed to be the closest one to Jesus, have the closest relationship with him. And we see evidence of that close relationship in the letters that John wrote. Today, we're going to talk about relationships how John is writing about relationships. There are two basic types of relationships in life. The first is our horizontal relationship with other people. We all relate to other people in our lives. The second type of relationship is our relationship with God, the vertical relationship. And the word fellowship in the Bible and in John's writings is used to describe our relationships both with people 
and with God. Now, in the Greek language, the word for fellowship is koinonia. And what that means is setting aside personal interests and desires and going or relating with another person or others for common purposes. And so to have fellowship with somebody, uh, you set aside what you want to do and you, you put the other person's interests and purposes ahead. Now, of course, with God, we put his ways, his purposes ahead. We do what he wants us to do. And as we have fellowship with other believers, we seek together to serve and, and uh, seek God's kingdom first in our lives. And so biblical fellowship, oftentimes we misuse the word. Biblical fellowship is not simply hanging out with other believers and doing whatever. Biblical fellowship is an active pursuit of God's purpose with other believers. And so our fellowship with God is affected by our relationships with other people, and our relationships with other people is affected by our relationship with God. So let's begin uh, to look at 1 John chapter 1 to talk about fellowship. Fellowship is based on the truth. Verse 1 begins and says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of truth, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, it might not be obvious what he's talking about here at first reading, but what he's talking about, he's beginning his letter by talking about Jesus. Everything in these first two verses refers to Jesus. Jesus existed from the beginning. Jesus uh, had spoken to and John had heard him. John had seen him with his eyes. John had touched him. Jesus was the word of life. He was the eternal life. He existed with the Father before he came to earth and he came to earth as a human being. And so John knew Jesus intimately, better than any other person I believe who'd ever lived. And so John's fellowship with Jesus was not a mystical experience. It was based on the reality of truth. It was based on the years that John had spent living, listening, and being with Jesus. And John wanted his readers, including us today, to also experience the same truth and fellowship that he had experienced. He goes on to say, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And so John was writing his letter to the people of his time, and many of them who were reading this letter had not physically seen Jesus. They might have heard about him, but they hadn't seen him. And he was writing so that his readers might have fellowship with himself and fellowship with God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And so we too, we have never seen Jesus with our physical eyes. We've never touched him with our hands. We've never heard him speak audibly to us. And yet, these verses were written so that we can experience fellowship with him. When a person believes in Jesus, when they entrust their lives to him, 
you enter into a relationship or fellowship with Jesus and God the Father. And not only does each believer have fellowship with God, when we enter into fellowship with Jesus, we enter into fellowship with one another because we are all children of God. And so the spiritual fellowship we have with God is lived out in our relationships with other believers as we focus on Jesus Christ. Not only must we experience the truth, we also must live the truth. Verse 5 goes on to say, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so John now goes on to share in another important truth that Jesus taught. God is light and there is no darkness, no evil, no sin in him at all. He's just pure light, pure holiness. And so if a person says they have fellowship, they have a relationship with God, but they're walking in darkness, something is very wrong. What does it mean to walk in darkness? To walk in darkness is to habitually live in sin without repenting, without seeking forgiveness. You can't have fellowship with God who is light and walk in darkness. And so John tells us if a person claims to be a Christian, if a person claims to have fellowship with God, but they live a sinful lifestyle, their claims are false. They are lying. They are not, they are not truly a believer. The fruit of their life shows they're not living or practicing the truth. And so a true believer will walk in the light as God is light. They will live a righteous lifestyle. Now, how do we apply these truths to us today? The first application to these truths about fellowship with God is to look at ourselves. Uh, if we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be believers in Jesus, does our lifestyle back up our claims? Are we walking in the light or are we walking in darkness? If we're walking in darkness, we're going to learn what we need to do in the next point. But the second application of these truths about fellowship is how do we evaluate others around us with regard to their claims? Many, in fact, uh, I believe the majority of people in America today still claim to be Christians. They claim to be believers in Jesus. Should we just accept their claims to be true? Should we accept everyone who says they're a Christian? Okay, you're a Christian. You say you are, you must be. Uh, should we do that? Well, no, John is explaining to us that we can know whether a person is truly a believer. We can know whether a person has fellowship with God by looking at their lives. Are they walking in darkness or are they walking in the light? In other words, is their lifestyle righteous or is it sinful? Now, why would it be important for us to know whether someone is truly a believer or not? Well, it's not just to judge the other person. We're not doing that at all. If somebody is not uh, a believer, obviously they're, they need Jesus, right? And so it's very, how should I say, uh, it's very easy to assume everybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian because then we have no obligation uh, to be a witness to them. But if we get to know people and we look at their lifestyle, uh, we look at the things they say and see if it adds up and we come to the conclusion that they're probably not a believer, then we have an obligation to be a witness to them, uh, to lead them to Christ 
to help them to understand what a, a Christian really is. Secondly, we can't have true fellowship with someone who claims to be a believer whose lifestyle does not back up those claims. We can't have true fellowship with them. And in fact, the Bible warns us against having um, close fellowship with people who are not believers. We can be their friends. We can seek to explain the truth to them, but we can't have a biblical koinonia fellowship with someone who is not a true believer. So fellowship is based on the truth. So let's look a little more closely at the conditions of fellowship. A believer, somebody who has fellowship with Jesus, has had a life-changing encounter with Jesus that completely changed their lives. Uh, to have this fellowship with God, to stay in this fellowship, we must, we must walk in the light. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he, that is Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then verse 9, uh, a very well-known verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we walk in the light, we have fellowship in both the vertical and horizontal dimensions. We have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with other believers. Now, does walking in the light mean that we must be perfect and never sin? Well, no, in fact... Verse 8, which we didn't have up there, it says that if we claim to have no sin, we're liars because none of us is perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. We all sin from time to time. But the good news is that the blood of Jesus is there to cleanse us, to forgive us when we do sin. Now, how does that work? Well, we're walking in the light. We're walking with God and we slip, we sin. Uh, we say something we shouldn't. We, we do something that we shouldn't. If we're walking in the light, the Holy Spirit will immediately convict us. We'll go, oops, I know I did something wrong. I feel a twinge of guilt. Uh, I, I understand I've sinned. And so what do we do? We're convicted by sin by the Holy Spirit. We don't just go, oh, get out of my way. I'm going to keep on doing this. We say, God, I confess I did X wrong. I sinned. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your cleansing. I repent. I turn away from that thing. I don't want to do it anymore. I ask for you to help me keep walking in the light. And then we continue walking in the light. And so there's a huge difference between falling into sin, quickly repenting, being forgiven, and getting back on track with God and living a lifestyle that's contrary to God's word in which you uh, keep on sinning with no uh, interest in confessing your sin or repenting. And so John makes it clear we need to walk away from sin. Chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so as believers, we don't have to sin. Uh, we can't claim the devil made me do it. Uh, we don't have to sin. Uh, God has given us the freedom to walk completely without sin. And in fact, as we grow in Jesus, we should sin less and less. But the life principles in God's word are there to guide us not to sin. But if we sin, and when we, we should say when we sin, we ought to confess the sin 
And Jesus is right there to forgive us and to cleanse us. And that puts us back in fellowship with God, back in fellowship with other believers. And so what does sin do in our lives? Sin does two things in our lives. First of all, there's a sense that it introduces some darkness into our lives. And that interferes with our fellowship with God. The minute we sin, there's, there's some interference with that fellowship with God because there's some darkness of sin in our lives. And that gets in the way. Secondly, that same sin interferes with our fellowship or relationship with other believers. It might not be quite as obvious, but it, it, it is there. It's, it's something that, that gets in the way. And so that's why it's so important on a daily basis, in fact, by a moment-by-moment moment basis, to confess any known sin to God and be forgiven. Uh, don't let it weigh on you. Don't let it go unconfessed for any length of time. In fact, of course, the Lord's Prayer is that to be prayed at least on a daily basis is, has the element of forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, uh, as we forgive those who sin against us. And so God desires for there to be unity, to be oneness among believers in a church family. And so not only do we seek forgiveness from God, but, but we should seek and give forgiveness to other people who either we have hurt or have hurt us. I read a recent poll which showed that one quarter of all practicing Christians in America say there is someone they cannot forgive. There's something wrong with that. Not forgiving someone is a sin. It's walking in darkness. In fact, Jesus said it very clearly after he gave us the Lord's Prayer. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. And so if there's someone that you feel that you can't forgive, they've hurt you so Deeply, you can't forgive them. Ask for God's help. That you can forgive them. Now, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you're saying what they did was right. It doesn't mean you're saying that you weren't hurt by it. Uh, but you are forgiving them. You are giving them into God's hands, letting him deal with them. And you are not going to take revenge on that person. You're forgiving them as God has forgiven you. And then you can get back into walking in the light. And so we need to both forgive others and ask for forgiveness when we sin or hurt others in our lives. Finally, let's look at one last aspect of fellowship with other believers that John points out, which has to do with showing hospitality. Maybe not a word we use a lot, but we're going to uh, describe it a little more uh, carefully here. John writes, jumping to 3 John 1 verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And 3 John is, uh, is a separate letter from 1 and 2 John. It's basically three letters that John wrote. 3 John was written to a believer and a Christian leader named Gaius. John had led him to the Lord, and that's why he refers to him as his as his children or his child, he was uh, a spiritual child. Gaius was walking in the light. He was advancing the truth. And uh, he says, John says of him, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers they, as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, 
for they have gone out for the sake of the name. So in those days, in the days that John was writing, missionaries and evangelists would go from town to town spreading the good news of the gospel. And oftentimes, those missionaries would be strangers to the town or church they would come to help. And John is commending Gaius for helping those missionaries, that, those itinerant missionaries that would pass through. Uh, the hospitality that Gaius would give would be providing food for them when they came to town, giving them a place of lodging, a place for them to stay, and ultimately giving them some money, some resources, so that they could go to the next place that they were going to minister to for the Lord. Uh, those missionaries had gone on their journey for the sake of Jesus' name, and they were to be treated in an honorable way. This was a way of showing fellowship with them, uh, a way of helping them and advancing the truth of the kingdom of God. And so that is a positive example of Gaius uh, showing fellowship to other believers as he had fellowship with God that was being exhibited in his actions. Now, there's another example in 3 John uh, that isn't so commendable. In fact, it's condemned. Uh, and so we need to avoid this example, avoid falsehood. John writes in verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, we already know something's wrong with Diotrephes there, uh, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. And so this other person in the church was named Diotrephes, and John did not commend him. Diotrephes was arrogant. He didn't submit to uh, the apostle John's authority, uh, didn't submit to other authority in the church. And in fact, he spoke against the authority of the Apostle John, who had actually walked and talked with Jesus. In contrast to Gaius, Diotrephes didn't provide hospitality to the itinerant missionaries, and he, he tried to stop others from helping them. Gaius was walking in the light. Diotrephes was claiming to be a believer, but he was walking in darkness. And John called his lifestyle and his actions evil. In fact, John goes on to say, as we read the rest of 3 John, that Diotrephes had not seen or known God. So Diotrephes is an example of a person who claimed to be a Christian, but his lifestyle uh, did not match up with his claims. And John examined his lifestyle and, and, and made the judgment, a godly judgment, that he was not a true believer. Uh, he was causing trouble in the church. So what about us today? How do we show hospitality today? There's many ways. One of the ways that we show hospitality, as Gaius did, is in our support of missionaries around the world. Uh, the only way they can spread the gospel is as churches and people like us give to support them as they travel to remote places in the world. So that's one of the ways uh, we don't... Well, when they come to visit us, we provide them a place to stay and we feed them. And we give them resources to go on their way. And that's one of the ways we, we advance the cause of the gospel around the world. We support many different missionaries. Uh, Assemblies of God has thousands of missionaries all around the world. 
Just this past week, we had a slide about it. Robert's Life Group and some others helped provide a meal to the moms who have chosen to not abort their babies, but to keep their babies uh, with Thrive St. Louis. And so that's another example of hospitality, helping those in need. And that's a, a wonderful way that we can express our, uh, our biblical pro-life uh, truth that we know to, to save babies and uh, to help the moms to keep the babies when they don't feel on their own there's any way that they can. Uh, closer to home, we can provide hospitality by opening our home to others, providing the needs uh, for other people. Hospitality is not just for believers. In fact, meeting other people's needs who are not yet believers can open the door uh, to show the love of Christ to them and open the door for us to tell them about Jesus as well. And so God wants us to look for ways to serve others in different ways in our lives, uh, which is showing hospitality. So God has created us not to live life alone, but to live life in relationships. Relationships, first of all, with God and relationships with other people. To have fellowship with God, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we walk in the light. And those who walk in the light have fellowship with other believers. Uh, and we stay walking in the light by quickly confessing any sin that the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts of so that we can be forgiven and continue to walk in the light. We don't just accept uh, people who say they're Christians. We look at their lifestyle, uh, see if their lifestyle matches their words so we can know whether to have we can have fellowship with them or we can witness to them so that they can become believers and truly walk in the light. We maintain our relationships with other people by being people who forgive. Uh, if people hurt us, we forgive them. If we hurt somebody else, we ask for their forgiveness. It means showing kindness and hospitality to those that God brings into our lives. And so God wants us to grow in our relationships, in our fellowship, in our koinonia, both with God and with the people that he's put within us. And we're grateful for his spirit that helps us in both of those relationships. Now today, if you want to be sure that you have fellowship with God, the Bible says that there's three things you need to do in order to have fellowship or relationship with God. First of all, you need to admit that you sin. Uh, sin means that you're walking in darkness. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's no exceptions. Each one of us has sinned. And that sin, that darkness, separates us from God. It, it stops us from having a relationship with Him. So we need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. Rose from the dead three days later. We ask for his forgiveness. We put our faith and trust in him and we commit our lives to following him, to walking in the light. So I'd like to ask us now to bow our heads. And if you're not sure that you have that fellowship or that relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to pray along with me or perhaps... You made some commitment in the past, but you feel like you've wandered away from that commitment. Uh, I'd encourage you to pray as well. Something like this. You can just pray in your mind. God knows what you're praying. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done some things that I know are wrong. And today 
I'm confessing that sin to you. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead and I invite him into my life. I commit myself to following him and his word as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for helping me to have a relationship with you. Help me to grow in that relationship. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word. Written thousands of years ago, that gives us life principles to live for you today in the year 2019 in St. Louis, Missouri. We want to deepen our relationship and fellowship with you. Help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. And help us to have sensitive hearts that we might be quickly convicted of any sin that we may commit. And when we're convicted, God, help us to confess that sin, to turn away from it, and to ask for your forgiveness that we can continue to walk in the light. Help us to forgive any who have hurt us, God, or sinned against us, so that you can continue to forgive us. And we want to grow in our fellowship, not only with you, but our fellowship and unity with one another, with other believers in the church family, God. May we learn how to love and to work with people who are different than us because we're all different. Help us to accept one another even in those differences. Help us to grow in hospitality, meeting the needs of other people in love in every aspect of our lives. And we pray, God, that as we walk in the light, as we walk in fellowship with you, as we walk in fellowship with others, that you would help us to draw yet others to come and join us in this fellowship. That you would help us to reach out to those who are not in fellowship with you and not in fellowship with other believers to introduce them to Jesus Christ and have them come into this forever family, this eternal fellowship that will last forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.